Will you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, please? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then we'll look at verse 23. We'll look at verse 23. This is the famous passage that the Apostle Paul wrote that a lot of preachers use to talk about sanctification. For some of you who don't know what sanctification means, it means to be separated from, holy, uh, from sin, separated from sin unto holiness. A lot of you don't know this, but when you got saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, he separated you from your life of sin and iniquity and put you in a holy path. So it is a process where we are living our day-to-day -day life, staying away from sin. How he sanctified us through this process is done through body, soul, and spirit. In body, soul, and spirit, he has fully sanctified us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the prayer of the Apostle Paul that the believers will sanctify themselves completely, not partially, not partially. That's a problem with current Christianity, but with holy incompleteness. And that is done in spirit, soul, and body. Now, some of you who have studied this passage are already familiar how this would work. For your soul, you are sanctified completely once you receive Christ for your salvation. So then your soul has been separated from your body of sin, and Jesus Christ washed all the sins away with his precious blood. That's what happened at the day of salvation at your past is your soul. The present sanctification... The present saving or salvation is spirit. In other words, you are growing spiritually in your Christian walk. You're trying to feed your spirit through daily Bible reading, through daily prayer, trying to stay away from sin. And then through that spiritual growth, the spirit is being sanctified and it is growing itself. A lot of people don't know, but you can corrupt yourself inwardly because it's not the Holy Spirit we're talking about, but your own personal spirit. So your own personal spirit, what it needs to do is that there must be constant cleansing of it. There must be constant uh, separation from sin inwardly yourself. And then what you put inwardly instead is the right spiritual things, which will increase or grow your Holy Spirit inside you, and in return, it can cleanse your human spirit. In return, it will do so. That's your present salvation or your present sanctification. There are many verses that talk about saving yourself and your house saving yourself from the destruction of the flesh, meaning not that you're saving yourself from hell, but from present problems in this life. Then we see a future sanctification or a future salvation. The Bible talks about being saved by hope, 
meaning the blessed hope, which is the rapture. So your flesh is still in its sin. Nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, changed in your outward flesh. No matter what the apostate churches or people promoting lordship salvation teach you, your fleshly body never changed. It did not, it did not, one bit. Only your inward side changed, but not your outward self, which is the flesh. It has remained in its sin as soon as you got saved and received Christ for your salvation. Your flesh still had the same cravings, same urges, same stuff. The only thing that was different is that you had an additional nature, which is spiritual, which caused guilt, which gave you conviction, which there was a desire to do something right, a yearning to do what is good. So that's the only thing that changed is something was added in you, not that your flesh changed. So the future sanctification refers to your body finally being sanctified, finally being saved and freed from sin at the rapture. Because you're going to get a new body. You're going to get a new body that gets rid of the flesh. It is known as a spiritual body, and it will never long to sin ever again. Imagine a body like that at the rapture. So that is our future salvation, our future sanctification. Now that's the whole doctrine of sanctification. What you and I want and what we struggle every day is to stay away from sin and to spiritually grow in God. That's what we're all doing right now, right? That's the whole bottom line of church. That's the whole bottom, of, bottom line of living your life right now. Is to stay away from sin and to spiritually grow in the Lord. That's sanctification, separation from sin unto holiness. If that is all our purpose, our life, our being, our goal, our agenda, wouldn't you like to hear a sermon that will help you do that better? I'm sure all of you might want that. Now, if any of you don't want that, then this sermon is not for you, and the Lord's not going to speak to you, actually, at all. So, it is important to understand that in this wicked day and age of the world, the flesh and the devil, it always grabs a hold of us, saps away our joy in the Lord, makes us depressed, makes us keep struggling with the same things we want victory on, but we never get. And then there are times that we thought we got the victory, we thought we spiritually grew in the Lord, and then when God puts us through a test, there were certain weaknesses we didn't know about before that we now discovered. And we're trying to get rid of that, that defect that weakness in our personality and character. I mean, wouldn't we all want to be like Jesus Christ, not sinning? But the doom and gloom of Christians nowadays is to think that, well, I'll never get that until the rapture. Now, that's the problem with Christians is that they think that they'll never be able to live a life of sanctification where they will please the Lord until they die and go to heaven because they're doomed in this body. Now, it's true that our future sanctification, the flesh, will be cleansed at the rapture and not now. However, the verse pointed out right here in verse 23, if you read it, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. So he's putting this in present tense. See that? He says, I pray God, present tense, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless up to the rapture. So... 
you know what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's not praying that your sanctification will be complete at the rapture, will be finally processed at the rapture, but that it would be now till the rapture. Now till the rapture. Think about it. Why did God say in present tense, be ye holy for I am holy? You saw that in the word of God? Why would he give a statement like that if it's impossible? If you cannot be able to complete that in victory? He would give a statement like that because he knows that we're apt to do it. We are capable of conquering our flesh, our sins, and to have a complete sanctification process of body, soul, and spirit. Not to the way that we would think a complete 100% perfection, but at least where we're striving for perfection, where we're aiming for perfection, where we're heading toward perfection. Isn't that the tone of the author at 1 Thessalonians 5.23? The whole tone is directing, aiming towards perfection. Not that you are perfect right now or 100%, but you're aiming for that, right? That's why he's urging, beseeching them. See, he's pushing them to that direction. He's directing them there. The Apostle Paul wants us to strive for perfection. So the whole point of this message is not to say that you will aim 100% perfection, but more so you can strive for that. You can head toward that direction. Rather than having the doom and gloom that I will always be what I am until the rapture. That is absolutely not true. In sanctification, you can keep growing. In sins that you're struggling with in your life, it can minimize. It can decrease. Like I said before, you'll never eradicate sin 100%, but you'll minimize it. You may not attain 100% holiness, but you'll get there. You'll aim toward there. You're striving toward there. Wouldn't any of you want that in your life? then what is going wrong here? What is going wrong in our sanctification process? We keep telling ourselves, well, we just got to try harder. I'm just too wicked. My flesh is just too weak. I can't do it. I'm just too stubborn and prideful. So I go by the grace and mercy of God. Look, uh, I get that, and that's why I thank God. And I'll never separate from uh, living under His grace. I mean, his grace is what pulls me through all the time. Even when I think I'm perfect, I'm not. But his grace just keeps putting me up, man. I don't think his grace will ever separate or be separated from my life. It will be inseparable. However, I want us to understand that we cannot end up with that doom and gloom mentality. We can do better. We can get victory. We can become more holy. We don't have to always bet on his grace and mercy all the time. We can do something ourselves. Then what went wrong? See? What went wrong in our sanctification process? Well, the Apostle Paul gave you the answer of the complete process of sanctification. He said, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. We think it's only our soul and that's it. And that's where we stop right there. No, what about the spirit? The spirit is present and sanctified. So that means you can keep cleaning it. The body, believe it or not, there are ways you can sanctify that too. 
Because the Bible says we should cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. That's what the Bible says at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So what went wrong here? What went wrong is we don't understand our body, soul, and spirit. How to use it for sanctification. What we don't know is the timing of how God used the process of sanctification for body, soul, and spirit. Past, present, future. Past, soul, present, spirit, future, body. Human beings, we always get our timing off from God. We never go by God's timing. What if we were to go by God's timing of how he done sanctification? Could we achieve more strides then in becoming, be holy for I am holy? Let's talk about that. The title of my message is Body, parentheses, past. Soul, uh, body, future, excuse me. Soul would be past, and then spirit will be present. It's all bound in a word of prayer. Father, will you fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit and the cleansing of your blood to preach your word? I'm going to just simply preach the way that I can. This is something new that you've given to me. And I pray that it will be delivered the right way. That will be a blessing to the people. Help us to draw closer to you. Be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about the body. That's the number one thing we like to aim for. Isn't it? It's that flesh's fault. It's probably our number one enemy more than the devil sometimes, right? We hate our flesh. Let's attack that thing more in our flesh. Do you recall day to day how in your flesh, you just wake up in the morning in your flesh, not in the spirit. You don't want to read the Bible, let's be honest. You don't want to pray. The flesh, all it wants to do is just sleep longer or let's get to work and get it over with. Let's get to school and get it over with. And then once you go through your long day in school or in work, your flesh just wants to do its own downtime. And then when you hear about going to church, I got to pass out a track to that person. Oh, there's a soul winning time here. You know that Bible reading and prayer, I put it off the morning. You got to get back to that one. The flesh just doesn't want to do it. It's a wicked, stubborn flesh. And then when you think about it, you're like, man, I know I'm not going to read that Bible or pray again. I just know it. How do you know? Because I've skipped it so many times already. I know that I'm too tired to get, go to church. Too tired to go out soul winning, try to tell somebody how to get saved. Why? Because I was always tired. That's just how my body is. My health, ever since from the beginning, always suffered these cases, the environment around me, and then we pull up our history, our personal bio, and because we pull all that up about the bio of our flesh, we all believe that that's how we're made and programmed to be. As a matter of fact, there are even atheists who don't believe in free will when they study biological science or, neuro- or neuroscience because they believe that it's just how they're born to be from their DNA to think and behave that way. 
So you believe in that because you grew up in a messed up home. Because the past years of your life, you always had a chance to serve God. Do you remember your prior record and history? You went on the altar. You told God, God, I surrender this into you. I want to get right with you. And then when I go home, I'm going to live for you. And you mess up again. I mean, Pastor Kim can bring out the greatest blowout revival meetings, but I know, and I know, my flesh believes that I cannot get victory. That I will skip my spiritual duty again. I'm just different from pastor. It's just who I am. And now I've come to accept who I am in my current spiritual state. That this is all I can ever achieve for God. I'll never do more for the Lord. And I will just die this way until the rapture. How do you feel like that in your flesh, huh? It's always that flesh's fault that we hate. But you see your problem right here? Your problem is you always look at your past. How you're born to be. How your flesh was born that way. What your flesh previously experienced. What your flesh went through. And that history, that record of your behavior of your flesh made you believe that this is what you will be and you will end up coming and you will die that way you let your past dictate the future of who you are the future of your behavior and that and let's be honest those thoughts do pop out once you hit on the altar and pray and say i will do this spiritual thing for you god but then the flesh brings up your past at that moment oh you know you said that before oh no you're going to repeat that again and guess what you believe it and you repeat it We let our past dictate our future. And let me tell you something. Let's go to Philippians 3, what Paul said. We shouldn't think, we shouldn't believe, we shouldn't feel that way. That we are doomed to our past. And because of the previous record of our flesh, what it previously did, how how many times it let God down in the past that it's going to be that way in our future. And we act like negative Calvinists believing we're predestinated to always be that way, committing those sins. For Bible believers who criticize the doctrine of reprobation, we sure act, we sure believe in it in our present walk with God. That we're just born. We're going to behave like reprobates. Reprobates, like sinners. (laughs) But what did the author say that Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count not myself (coughs) to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So we got to, when you first read this, you're like, I got to forget my past. I got to dismiss my past. I got to put it behind me and press for the future. The future is I can get victory. The future is I can become better. The future is I can draw closer to Jesus Christ. The future is I can beat this sin. Amen. So that's our future that we're looking at. But then the past is an unbreakable record. And you know that you will repeat that pattern. You know what's going to happen right after altar call and when you go back home and then when you go to bed and Monday comes. It's always that Monday. 
at the first sign and inkling of that flesh is going to come out in our feelings of our flesh and in our thought, and then we're just going to mess up again. We might try hard at the beginning. We'll try to forget those things which are behind, and then we're going to think about the future. No, 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 no. I want to be a good Christian. I want to serve the Lord, but it just seems to fail. So why? Because you can't forget the past and head toward the future. Now, you might say, Pastor, that's not what the verse said. No, 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 it is what the verse said. Let me read it again. You can't forget the past and hit the future. You can't do that. The verse said, not that, but this one thing I have done, I have forgotten those things which are behind, and I am in the future. That's not what it said. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What does that mean? He hasn't forgotten his past. So he has to constantly, currently be in that practice of putting the past behind him because that past keeps coming out again. So when you feel like that, you, uh, you'll never forget the past and that you'll never hit the future, you are absolutely right. But there's a mistake here that you made. The mistake is you think that you can just put the past behind you and be in the future, and then you'll have victory in Jesus Christ. Friend, that flesh is not eradicated. It's still there. And I don't care how much you have an unbroken record of not touching a single drug or doing something dirty in your life. After 20 years later, a thought just comes out in the middle of your prayer of that drug or that dirty thing, and you're like, where'd that come from? Why? The flesh can't get annihilated. It's still there. So what do you got to do? You got to recognize you can't eliminate it. You got to recognize you can't annihilate it. And you got to understand, because I can't eradicate, annihilate that thing, I need to currently put into practice things where I can... Make sure those fleshly things in my past will not dictate my future. That's what you got to do. You got to recognize that those fleshly things you've done in the past will repeat itself. It will happen. So you have to put into practice, forget ting, reaching. You got to currently put into practice, how can I make sure, because this will always remain in my flesh due to my unbroken previous record in my past, how can I make sure that I can currently, currently put into practice where this thing won't affect me? That's the understanding you've got to do. You know, uh, the thing is this, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you believe God will sanctify you completely, right? Your body at the rapture? Yeah. Why? Because you let God get rid of those fleshly things, it puts your body in a forcible scenario where the body won't commit the sin. Didn't you know that? Right now your body's in a forcible condition where it won't sin in the future. And it's only one that you put in there, and that's the rapture. But what if we were to add other things in our future that can forcibly prevent our body from sinning? How come we don't do that then? 
Why? Because the flesh, it will sin. It can't eradicate. So you need to force it. You need to put that flesh in forcible scenarios, just like the rapture, where you don't sin in the future, where you don't mess up in the future. So let me tell you something, friend. Sheer willpower on the altar is not going to make you get victory on that, over that flesh. Some of you won't go this far on the altar. When you go on the altar, when you repent and get right with God, you don't commit, God, that sin in my house, I'm going to make sure that I trash it, dispose it, and put, force myself in a scenario where I can't find it again. Do you do that? No, you don't. That's why you keep repeating. Why? You trust your flesh that much to get victory against the sin. I thought, I thought you're not supposed to trust this flesh to get victory over sin. I thought you're supposed to realize that this flesh has an unbroken record of constantly failing God. So why do you trust your flesh that much after altar call that it won't repeat the same pattern again? See, you won't go that far. You need to forcibly put your flesh into scenarios where you can't sin, where you can't mess up. You know, that's why church is good for you. You might say, why? You get to church so that you are in a forcible scenario. You don't do something stupid or wicked. Amen. That's right. Why? Look, will anybody smoke, do drugs, do something sexual right now? No. Why? You are in a forcible scenario right. where your flesh can't commit the sin. Well, I can't discipline my kids. I can't get them to spiritually open their eyes. Drag them to church. They are now in a forcible scenario. They have to hear the word of God. And if they won't listen to their parents, maybe they can listen to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. So now their flesh is in a forcible scenario. And that includes you too, parents. You need to put yourself in a forcible scenario where you have to hear the Word of God, where you can't sin, where you can get some motivation and victory in your life. You can't self-motivate yourself. You can't just grab it out of thin air and say, magically, the fleshly feelings will die out. No, you need to put forcible things in your life that will discipline that flesh, that will make that flesh not commit those sins. Why don't you do something like that in your life? So when I go back home, and when that sin comes back, or that fleshly feeling I'm struggling with, and there's that bitterness, there's that anger, and there's that jealousy, I have to, and there's those dark thoughts, I have to put myself in a forcible scenario where I can't commit these sins, where I can't feel these feelings. How do I do that? Why don't I go out soul winning and get myself so busy with work and my current duties, so busy taking care of my family, so busy loving people, and maybe the bitterness will subside and the jealousy will subside and the anger will subside and I'm too, because I'm so lost and too busy loving people. That's a good forcible scenario. Why are there unbelievers working at shelters and charity homes? And then believers in Christ, they just stay locked up in their homes, in their rooms, thinking they'll get the victory in Jesus Christ that way. You're just opening up yourself a world full of trouble. I can't go to church and I can't read the Bible and I can't pray. I can't do much for the Lord because of my work, because of my school. And Then find a different job. Then pray, pray to the Lord. Maybe you need to drop out of school. That's unthinkable, right? 
because it's our living bread and butter for our flesh. You know, that's the problem. We make fleshly excuses dictate the things for our flesh and they will continually control our lives and dictate our future if we don't forcibly get rid of these things. Well, I can't go to church because it's too far and I just get so tired and then move to a different place. Move closer. Put your, you got to force that flesh into a scenario where it will do things for God. Now, I'm not telling you to do all these things because everybody's going to do things different ways in their own ways, how the Lord leads their heart. But I think it's about time you understand you got to take a little bit more extreme measures. Not just getting on the altar and I repent, I'll get right with God. And you trust your flesh again and repeat the same fleshly scenarios and keep those temptations open. And the world and the friends and the environment around you, those temptations still open where you repeat the pattern again. You know what, Paul, he's the one that wrote 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Notice that he practiced that himself. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. There's a good way he wouldn't mess up in his body in the future. And the best thing to do is get involved in the ministry. Why? Because too much accountability. Too much people looking at him. Just one mistake could end his whole ministry, his whole life. He made sure his bread and butter and money is the ministry too. That's a good life to live. To keep your flesh accountable. It, puts, it forces it into that scenario. Notice right here, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body. See that? And bring it unto subjection. See, he forces that body. He subjects that body to live clean, to be sanctified. Why? Lest that by any means when I had preached to others, I myself, future, should be a castaway. Because he put himself in a ministry, in a job scenario that had such high accountability that if he messed up in that, the future will be bad for him. God will cast him away. You know, some pastors, they never get a second chance once they mess up in the ministry. That's a good forcible scenario. How about you? You put yourself in that scenario? Or do you put yourself in a position where you can have so many chances to keep sinning and keep serving God? Let's look at how the Apostle Paul kept, kept this practice. He mentioned at 1 Thessalonians 5.23, your spirit... Your spirit. <clears throat> we think about, man, you're right, pastor. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to get victory over my sin. So, uh, you know what? I got to start doing my daily chapters of the Bible again. I'm going to commit to three chapters a day. I'm going to go through that prayer diary and pray through everything. I'm going to commit to that. Those sins, man, after hearing the preaching, I am determined that those things will not dictate my life. I will never touch drugs again. I will never touch something sexual again. I will never touch the world again. After you hear a blowout preaching in a summer camp, you get pumped up and you're like, serving God is the greatest thing in life. I hate the world. I'm going to live for God. 
And then you hear the pastor saying, that's good. I don't want to douse your fire. But if you do fall, it's okay to come back to church and keep serving God. And then the people who hear that, the people who hear that forget it. Yeah. And then when they mess up in sin again, they get so discouraged. That's been so many Sundays now since you've seen them in church. Why is that? Because they're thinking about spiritually what they're becoming, what they're striving for the Lord in the future. What I'm going to do in the future, what I'm going to do in the future for the Lord. You know why a lot of ministers have pride issues? A lot of ministers succumb to their weaknesses and the world, the flesh, the devil has gotten a hold of them. Because a lot of ministers, they look at a big picture. I'm going to build a big ministry. I want to make sure every seat is filled. I want to bring revival to the city, do something great for the Lord. I have a vision for God. And that's good. That's good. And then all of a sudden they, they get really tired. They push too hard. They push their family too hard. And the family gets tired, discouraged. The minister gets tired and discouraged. You get newborn Christians who get saved and they're like, man, I got to tell my family how to get saved. I'm going to make sure that all my family hear about Jesus, get saved. Man, this Bible-believing truth, I can't wait to show it to them. And then you turn them off more. And then you try to rebuke harder, preach harder, persist, persist, and then they think that you're so annoying that they don't want to listen to you anymore. And then you get unintentionally hard on them. You get unintentionally annoying to them. And then you hear the pastor saying, it's just prayer and testimony, prayer and testimony, prayer and testimony. But then it's like that doesn't click in our heads. And we just have to say something because we have a burden for the lost and we want our soul to get saved and become a Bible believer. And then we push them further to hell. But why? Shouldn't we look at the future spiritually, what they can become, and we got to aim for that? we got to strive for that? Uh, spirit, no. In spirit, the sanctification is present tense. Present tense. If you have a spiritual goal, it's got to be present tense. You can't have a huge... It's good to have a goal in mind. But to reach that goal, you have to look, concentrate more on the present than the future. It's good to have a future goal. Everyone should have it. But the more emphasis should be on the present, not the future, to reach the future goal. You can't reach the future goal unless right now you're accomplishing the right things, the right steps to the future. You know, when we go to Galatians 5, let's look at the author here, what he said, how he grew in the Spirit. You know why? Because when you got saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit nature is not fully grown. You are in a baby state. And a baby state in the Spirit needs time. A baby needs walking one foot at a time with somebody or something to carry them. They need to grow. When I talk to so many people, 
and when I reflect on my own life, thinking about certain goals that we want to achieve, what we want to become, what we want to get victory against, we get more discouraged as we feel like we're farther away from the goal rather than heading toward it. And that's because we keep looking at the future. We don't look at our present state. How many times I have to tell myself, how many times I have to tell other people, look at yourself now. The priority is now what you're doing. Let those things you have in the future, let them naturally come. Let the Lord bring it in his time. But you've got to focus on the things now, what you're struggling with, what you're going through. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, run in the spirit, and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did I read that right? Walk. It said walk. What does walk mean? If the goal to be like Christ, if you have a future goal, I'm going to get victory against that sin. I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to win souls. I'm going to win my household. I'm going to build a big ministry. Remember this. You're not here you are now that's a long time and for a baby you can't do this and then you're done you know what your problem is you're too fast Americans that's your problem you want it instantaneously you can't get rid of a problem you can't Grow spiritually in your life instantaneously. You know what you need to do? That's a long way. But don't look at that. Look at... Uh, oh, I've, I accomplished step number one. I did it. I got to stay here. Got to protect it. Step number two. Uh, step five. Oh, no. Step number two. I gotta stay here. I gotta fight for it. I gotta fight for it. And then the devil gets to you. And then you're like, oh, step number one. Oh, look at the future. I'll never get there. And no, 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 no. Look at right here. I need to get to step number two. Come on. You're in step number one. Get to step number two. Let's do it. Fight there. Stick there. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm content that I've accomplished step number two. Now let's fight for it. Let's stay there. Oh, the future is such a long way. No, 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 right here. Me. Present tense. Current situation. Me, what I'm doing now. All right, step three. All right. Let's make sure I don't skip a church service because that's been helping me. Stay there. Stay there. Come on. Oh, man, there are times I go like this, and I'm right here, right here, right here. But stay there. But you keep looking at that, and you go, oh, man, I got to save my whole house. I got to, my, I have not fully grown. I don't know much doctrine. Oh, why bother coming to church now? I can't do it. Let's go over here and whine and cry and die. No, you got to look at right here. Church, church, not, not complete victory over that sin, not complete spiritual growth, and that I'm a perfect man, but right here, just think about coming to church. Yeah. Step number four will come. Yeah. 
right. All right. And then you're, you're just, con you're not looking here anymore. You finally said, stop. Just look at here. Oh, thank God. Little step. Oh, little. Now, now, now. All right? Not, not, not. Don't you dare look at, look, now, now, now. Oh, it's a long road. I know that. It's going to be far away. You know, but I got, I got to stick here. Now, now. Oh, man. I don't know when, but forget about that, okay? Just think about now. I don't know. I'll, I probably I'll never be perfect. Probably I'll never reach the goal, but uh, I'm going to keep thinking about now, 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 now. Oh, I did not reach the goal yet. Oh, I did not reach the end yet. But I got to think about now, 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 now. Oh, it's been 10 years and I've hit the goal all this time. Wow, this is, oh, uh, oh, oh, that's wonderful. Wow, glory. Stop looking at the future. You've got to look at the present for your spiritual growth. Our problem in our body, we always look at our past, not the future. In our spirit, we always look at the future, not our present. You know what Paul said? How to live in the present? Think about this. This is how you know you're not naturally spiritually growing. You're not taking step by step. You're not in the present. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, so that contradicts verse 19. The current doings of the flesh, correct? So then verse 22 is the current doings of the Spirit. Can you agree with that? From verse 19 compared to verse 22? Those are current things you're doing. So let's compare the current things. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is stress, pressure, discouragement. I'll never be like Christ. Depression that I fell into the same habits again. And bitterness, jealousy, because God's not answering my prayer. It's been years and I can't do a thing for Jesus. No, no, no then you didn't get your spiritual fruits down. What are you feeling right now? Are you truly love? Do you truly have peace in your life? Do you truly have long-suffering? Do you truly have gentleness? Or is it more of harshness, judging people? Because they haven't been spiritually growing, but what, you're better? Gentleness, goodness. If in your spiritual walk, you've been running, not walking, and you've been going like this in the future, the fruits, if your spiritual walk is right, should be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, so why is it not? You know why? You're jumping too much to the future, pushing yourself, you're getting out of the fruits of the Spirit. But if you're, if you're in your Christian walk, if you're doing this, and you focus on your fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, love, joy, peace. I am right now in the right place, the right time, and I know I'm feeling love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith coming to this church. I know I am. Let's protect this. Let's keep this up.
I will never let those fruits leave me. And then naturally the Lord takes you to the next step. And rather than depression, discouragement, it's love, joy, peace, long suffering. Is there pressure? Is there stress sometimes when you do step by step? Yeah, there's suffering. There's hardship. But in that suffering, you don't want to let it control you. And you keep looking at the future and keep begging God, I want to be delivered from this suffering. Oh, to do so much more for you if you'll get me out of this suffering. Oh, got it. No, you got to look at this suffering and say, how can I presently deal with this suffering and maintain my joy, peace, love, and long suffering? And if you're struggling with that in your test that God has given for you, then you fight for that and make sure you protect your fruit of the Spirit. No matter how long your days of stress or grief is in this trial, fight for it until you feel it, until you see it, until God manifests it out of your life. Amen. And then you graduate from the test. You go to the next step. How's your present sanctification? Can you honestly say after this church is over and you serve the Lord, I am in joy, love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? Or is it judging others? Getting bitter, depressed, discouraged you'll never make it, then you're in the wrong. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 again. 23. Pray God, your whole spirit. He mentioned the body and soul. Soul. What about the sanctification of the soul? Well, I'm, yeah, pastor, that's already taken care of. I, in the past, I've been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm a new creature, Amen. and I'm a Christian. The spiritual nature is in me. Ooh, I don't know if you really see that. Because as soon as you got saved, maybe a year passed by, and you've forgotten what you were, a saved Christian, and you look more at your fleshly you, and you're like, man, uh, I still desire those things in the world. You know, those atheists seem to have it better than me. You know, the people in those worldly job opportunities, those goals that they succeed in the future, wow, why can't I do something like that? You know, the temptation, the opportunity is open all the time, why can't I just do that? Presently, all you're thinking about is, as soon as church is over, is your family, your job, your school, taking care of your health and self-care, and then TV, internet, video games, social media, spending time with worldly friends, and then the worldly stuff, the worldly goals you have in mind, saving up money for this vacation, better house. And you know, that's all presently you're thinking is the world. And it's hard to think about spiritual things. It's hard to enjoy spiritual things and serve God. You know what you've forgotten? You've forgotten your past because you keep looking at your present. 
the world around you, what the flesh is feeling. You know, no matter how much Bible reading and prayer is important, it don't mean a hill of beans when your flesh is presently feeling like, I don't want it! But see, you got to get outside of that present. You've forgotten what you were. You've forgotten what God saved, saved you from. He saved your soul. Yes. He saved your soul from hell. And in salvation, you know what accompanied salvation? When your soul got saved? All the spiritual promises and the artillery and the weapons of God that will help you spiritually get victory. You know, in Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6. <clears throat> Notice in uh, verse 19, Hebrews 6, 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now, this is the same author, Paul. Okay, so he would know the past, what his soul was saved from. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So the soul is anchored to the hope, right? You know what that hope is? You know what that hope is? Notice right here that the Bible points out at verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Verse 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Look at verse 9, what this hope is about. Verse 9, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Now, I know that doctrinally this refers to tribulation saints, but we can spiritually learn from this as Christians. Didn't you know that your soul is anchored to that hope? And that hope is the things in heaven? That's why it's called blessed hope, meaning getting out of this world and going to heaven, a.k.a. rapture. That's what hope is. So our soul is anchored to that. You know what you're, didn't you know, you have no idea, friend, but didn't you know Ephesians 2 said, at salvation of your soul, a part of you is already in heaven right now. A part of you is enjoying that hope. And he, man, you know what a part of you is doing right now? A part of you right now is, man, these streets of pure gold are so awesome. Wow, this mansion is so much fun. Wow, no more sin. You know, I don't see sin. I don't see wickedness. Oh, look at that, Jesus Christ. I can get to talk to him, be with him. A part of you is anchored to that up in glory. Ever since from the beginning you got saved. What was that, a year ago? A couple months ago? Maybe years ago? Did you forget that? You know why? You're looking at the world. <sighs> Suffering, oh, work. Oh, flesh. Oh, it's too easy to sin. Oh, I get too comfortable and then I just mess up and hey, 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 the flesh is not the real you. The real you is the soul who's a part of that spiritual nature and that and the part of your spirit's already up in glory. Didn't you know, can you, your soul is anchored to that. Do you hear a part of you calling out to you? 
You know, when Gene gets discouraged in this world, when he becomes worldly-minded, fleshly-minded, and he's surrounded by the world and the flesh, a part of Gene is up there saying, Hey! What are you doing? Don't waste your time doing those things. Why are you looking too much at the world and the flesh? Why do you get discouraged and down? Hey, it's a good time up here. Don't you get it, man? This is fun. This is great. I'm going to get crowns and rewards. Rain. Do you see heaven? You ain't seen nothing yet, man. I just flew from nine different planets and around the universe. And then the heaven is so deep in so many different realms. There's like thousands of realms probably over here in heaven. Woo! Riding on horses of fire. Check this out, man. I can go through walls. I leave a trail of fire behind me. It's such a good time up here. Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. Don't waste your time in the stupid world being content with a studio and getting a degree and getting a six-digit pay raise. Your soul's anchored to that up there. Don't you hear a part of yourself crying out to you? You think this is the real you. That's your problem. No, your flesh is dead to you, the Bible says. You know what you were born to be from the past? You were born to be up in glory. Born to be reigning with him. Born to be kings and priests. You were born to be that. You might say, what are you talking about? As soon as I received Christ for salvation, I got born again. And that birth predestinated me for all those things up in glory. Didn't you know Revelation says that we are kings and priests? You don't know that? All of you trying to work to become kings right now, aren't you? So pitiful. You're already a king up there ever since you got born again. You're a king. You got all that. But you know what? The devil, he can take that away from you. He can take those things that accompany salvation, those rewards, that reign, that crown. And you know what the devil's doing right now? The devil, he's trying to take that away from you. And you let him have it. And here's the real you up in glory saying, no, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. But you let your body have it stolen and let the devil take it away. The Bible says, hold fast that no man take thy crown. You know what the Bible says at the judgment seat? Your works, it turns to loss. In other words, you have it. You, you, you're born. You're born to rule. You're born to have all these things. But it can be taken away from you. If you don't hold on to it with everything you got. You know, when I, you know brother, sister in Christ, as soon as church is over... You better reclaim your crown. You better reclaim your gold, silver, precious stones. Reclaim those glories in heaven. What, you can be, uh, what you're going to get up there. You, you, you got no idea. Your fleshly you has no idea. Your stupid fleshly you has no idea what's in heaven except the real you. And that real you out up there say, boy, if you would only know how great it is up here. Don't let them take it away. And, when the, and as soon as church is over, and the flesh crawls up again, and then takes away your work 
that can turn to gold, silver, precious stones, take away your crown. That verse says, hold fast that no man take thy crown. You know what you should do? You should kick it and keep screaming. Get away! And when the flesh screams harder, oh no, let's sin again. Oh, you can do your spiritual duty the next day. You scream back at it again and kick it again and say, no, get away from me. Get away from me. And then when Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes, and that flesh comes crawling again and screams at you, you know, you just got to rest. You got to take it easy. You've done enough for the Lord. You need to kick and scream it again. Get away from me. No, you're not having it again. Get away. Scream harder. Kick harder. Get away. Get away. No, and kick it and kick it. You got to kick it all the way to the altar. You got to kick it not just today, but kick it from Monday up to the rapture. You go kicking and screaming up to glory and you hog on to that crown with everything that you got. You go kicking and screaming on the altar up to the rapture. Every head bow, every eye shut.